We'll now um, turn to our Bibles and read that story from the Word of God um, that Scott's been telling the kids. <clears throat> and as we open God's Word, let's just pray that he will speak to us. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we have your Word. We thank you that we can open it freely and read from it. And as we do so, Lord, we ask that you'll speak to us in a deep and meaningful way. We pray that you'll be with Andrew as he brings your message, that you'll guide him by your Spirit, that we can... Go from here encouraged to serve and honour you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're reading from Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Now the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pihairoth between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready, took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they encamped by the sea near Pihairoth, opposite Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Thanks, Jim. <coughs> Good morning. It's like I've been sitting for a long time already, and you probably have as well. It's good to be um, back home again. <coughs> I had um, two good weeks of ministry, one week in the Netherlands and one week in Germany. So <coughs> it was encouraging to see a bunch of young people that are keen to, um, keen to grow and, and keen to understand what it could look, for them, could look like for them to, um, to change their life in sometimes radical and sometimes less radical ways. And... Um, <coughs> follow Jesus and to be just a part of that process is always exciting but it's really good to be home again I um, 
missed, oh, you missed you guys, but missed Sue more, so you've got to say that, don't you? I, I want to share a, a word with you this morning. <coughs> we, um, you know, we've been going through this theme, and we're going to start the, the final of the sixth um, one next week, so I want you to already be looking forward to that, but not so much that you don't hear today. Um, but next week we're going to do that last one in the, in the Becoming Mature Disciples Applies God's Word and we're going to be looking at that for a few weeks and um, Joel's done a bunch of work already on, on, um, on how we're going to address that and it looks great. So you know, I encourage you to um, plan to be here for the next few weeks to finish that off too because it's a, a great way to finish it off. I can't think of a better final uh, mini theme to finish it off. Um, but today I, um, we had, we had a, a spot where we weren't on theme, so I was praying about what to share this morning and I've had a little bit of a word on my heart for a, a time, a, a season, <coughs> um, some of this year and um, just been praying and, you know, it's not like I've been sitting in my office praying all week about it all, all, all year, but occasionally it's come up and it's been something that I've really felt like God has been speaking to me and I actually feel like it's a word for our church and for many of us sitting here this morning. So it might be a little bit different this morning, but um, <coughs> go to God with me as we... Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Thanks very much. Aeroplanes aren't good for your throat. <coughs> So um, um, it, while I was in, in Germany, the Germany this, I'm in this little village in a... Um, actually, it's kind of cool. I'm in this 16th, 17th century castle that YM has there. But that's about the most exciting thing about the village. So once you've seen the castle, that's kind of it, you know, apart from the 100 cows and the smell that goes with that, you know. <coughs> and a, a really cool German restaurant next door that only opens midweek, so you just wait and wait and wait for that to open up. But um, I get a chance to, to do a little bit of stuff that I don't normally do and I'm watching this series which is kind of pretty old now and um, I've been watching this Chicago Fire series and watching the paramedics and I'm, I always think of Lauren when I, um, yeah, there goes the thumb, think of the paramedics. And one of the things that stood out to me that, you know when you get firemen or paramedics that, that getting rescue, they're rescuing people and people are either trapped in cars or whatever, that often in the films, and I don't know if this is true in real life and talk to Lauren afterwards and find out if it is, but the people being rescued are panicking and almost work against their own rescue. You know, you, I don't know if that's just TV or if that's real. You know, they can actually work against their own rescue. You know, panic and fear and, and doubt. And, and they're hurt, and that causes them to panic. And it's almost like the paramedic would say, like, like um, Moses said to the people, just be still. Just let me do this. Let me, you know, sort this out. You can't sort this out right now. You know, it's a bit the same as when you're in a, a new job or a new situation or new surroundings. And I see this with some of these DTS students because I normally, they get me to come and speak at the start of the schools just to... Um, and. A lot of them are from all over the world. So some of them have come from totally different cultures to this new culture. It's deep. It's confronting the teaching. It, it has to, you know, and, and a lot of them in the first week or two start to doubt and think, have I done the right thing? Am I in the right place? This is all unpredictable. I'm, I'm not sure I understand how this culture works. Um, maybe it would be best if I just went back. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. You know, and we can be a bit like that as humans, can't we? We can... Be in a place where, oh, this is a bit unpredictable. This is not really what I had in mind. And 
I'm not sure that I, I like it here. And we have that saying, don't we? We, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. That's kind of, maybe that came from Exodus, but they modified it just a little bit, you know. So what's going on here in, in Exodus? And um, as we look at, um, look at the story, you know, the people are hemmed in. You've, you've got, you know, Pharaoh has this change of heart. He gets his best men and his best chariots and he gets, you know, the good guys out, the elite, the SAS, and, you know, and he flexes his muscle. And, he, you know, he figures, I need to get these people back. And he goes after them and there's probably a stack of noise that comes along with that, you know, the chariots, the, the, the rattling of sabres and, you know, the whole thing. You can imagine the scene, if you've watched movies, you can anyway, you know. And there was, there was a fight going to happen. They were going to get the Israelites back. Now, there's a little bit of a hint here. God, you know, interesting why this happened, because if you look back a little bit before our story in verse 17, <clears throat> you can see that God already knew that the Israelites weren't up for a fight. He said in verse 17, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return back to Egypt. So he kind of already knew that they were fickle and might do that. But the Israelites get overtaken. You know, the, 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 the Philistines are coming. They see Pharaoh and his men. <clears throat> they panic. They're terrified. And then what do they do? They blame. We have to blame somebody for what's happening, right? We do that. So, Moses, this is your fault. Didn't we tell you? know, well, I told you. We told you, don't do this. You've got to blame someone for what's happening. Moses, it's your fault. Didn't we say, fear makes us look for a scapegoat? And doubt, you know, is this the right place? Maybe we should just go back to where we were. Did we hear God? Is he in this? We're doomed. We're, we're, we're history. Let's go back to what we know. You know, let's go back to Egypt. We were slaves, but at least we had food there, etc., etc. And then we get to the key verses in our story, which are verses 13 and 14, where Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And I love those words. You know, I love the way that he says you need. You, the only thing you need to do is nothing, is be still. Now that is counterintuitive, isn't it? When I say to you, what do you need to do? You start thinking of all the things you need to do. So it's really counterintuitive where Moses says you need to do nothing. You know, I've never had my wife say, honey, you need to do nothing. <laughs> I don't, have, you, have, you, have you ever had that? You know? Don't panic. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring. The Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. You know, the Egyptians, you know, the, what the Egyptians meant to them was, was slavery, oppression, fear, hurt, a place that they didn't want to go back to, a place of bad memories. And by the way, when God said the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again, that was literal. God knew what he was about to do. God knew what was going to happen to each one of them by the end of this story, if you read further on. And Moses goes on, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. It's hard to do. It was hard for them to do. But what it led to was it led to them seeing God move. Seeing God move for them, and eventually, and we know the story, seeing God move in them. 
What it also led to was the next level. You see, God was taking his people. There was a bigger story happening here. It wasn't just about this moment, was it? God had said, I'm bringing you to the promised land. I'm going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to take you to the promised land. You know, there was a, a buzz. The people, they were going somewhere that God had promised for years. And it was going to be their nation. It was going to be kind of like the end destination, a thing that they always wanted. And um, so this was one of the steps in it, wasn't it? So being still led to seeing God move for them, but led to the next level. It led to them being able to cross the sea, a really big step in their journey. And it led to a miracle. You know, I... I'm willing to bet they had never seen a sea part before in their life. And it led to them seeing a miracle. It led to them seeing a solution they didn't even think of. They were hemmed in. Remember, there's the, the enemies here, the desert there, the sea there. Where do you go? They didn't see a solution. Humanly speaking, there was no way out. This was going to be an annihilation. But it led to them seeing a solution they never even thought of. It opened up the impossible for them. The solution God had in mind, they couldn't see it. There was no logic in what they could, you know, they couldn't see the way out of it. And most importantly, and we see that earlier on in, in our reading, the glory of God. God gets the glory and God is seen. And that's what it's all about, that the nations would consistently see through God's people, God. You know, and, and you know, I could cut to the end of the chase and say that's really what, what, what our journey is about with God. Not that we get rescued or that we see miracles, but that the nations, that the world sees God. And that was God's passion. He was taking his people to the promised land. He was doing all that. But he was passionate that the nations would see him through his people. Um, and that happened. You know, we see these be still moments a few more times in the Old Testament. One of them is in 1 Samuel chapter 12, um, where they want a king. You know, they're, they're, they're not really feeling God. They're not really hearing enough from God. There's another king that is going to go up against them in war. And, and they're thinking, well, we want a king too. Um, we feel vulnerable. We feel fearful because we don't have one of these, you know, touch and poke kings. You know, we've only got you. And, you know, it sounds good, but it's, it's not working for us. We want a real king. You know, and um, and then even then, you know, God says, "Well, okay, you, you know, through the prophet, he says you're going to get a king, but you and he better both obey, you know. And I'm going to show you. Be still, and as you know, I'm going to show you that I am a king above all kings. Be still and watch this. He makes it rain and thunder when it shouldn't, because it's right in the middle of harvest time. It's the time of the year that that should not happen, and it makes it rain and thunder." And he shows them he's better than any earthly king. And again, in that scripture, it says, the people stand in awe and the nations around see the glory of God. So again, it's about the glory of God. Being still isn't only about our rescue. It's about the glory of God. And there's a few more in Nehemiah and Zechariah. Right at the end of the last prophet, he reminds the people of how much God has done for them. And that he says, be still and just remember all the stuff that God's done. Again and again... As God's people get themselves into a bind, or they panic, or they fear, or they start to back out, or they can't see a solution to an issue or a problem or a challenge that they have, God reminds them that He's there, He's always been there, always will be there, He's working, and what's more, He's able to do things that they think are not possible, or they can't see, and He has a plan. He always did have a plan them he always will have a plan and it's true for us as well 
He's ta- he was taking his people somewhere. And that's true for us. He's taking us somewhere. Again and again, God's people and the nations around them, in every story, they end up giving glory to God. There's this panic. There's this big thing that goes down. There's worry. There's, and in the end, everyone says, oh. You know, I had an old guy that was mentoring me years ago when I lived in Holland. And I used to say to him, you know, when I was stressing and had issues, I used to say to him, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this and I'm going to ask, how did that work? And I'm going to, you know, we've probably all done that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to, and he said, he said, you're not. He said, you're going to get to heaven and you're just going to say, oh. <laughs> and so basically that's what the nations did. They saw God move and you just, wow. Didn't even think of that, you know. And again and again, they needed only to be still. And be still, you know, had and has lots of content. It's not, you know, like what Scott was saying with the kids, that's part of it. You know, it's, of course it stands still and be quiet, but it's also be still is acknowledge him. Stop being your own saviour. Stop navel-gazing. Stop, you know, exercising self-control over everything. Allow God to work. It's surrendering. It's turning back to God. It's a lot of stuff. But why am I talking about this? Why did this come up? And has it been a little bit of a a theme, a recurring theme, I think, in in my life and perhaps in our church life? I felt like this this was a word in time and still is for me and and for us. As a church, you know, we have challenges. And and I guess as individuals, we we come across challenges. As individuals, you know, I've I've been around the church long enough to, to know that we have challenges and issues, to know that there's stuff going on in our lives and in mine as well. And sometimes it's up here and it's really, really a challenge to deal with and sometimes it's on a low boil and and it's not kind of there and other things eclipse it. But I know stuff is going on and I want to just be candid about that today. And I believe parts of this story, this scripture, there's words in there for they apply to us as a church and to us as individuals And where it applies, be still, is the word that I, you, we need to hear this morning. You know, as a church, God God has a plan. You know, the Israelites were going to to the promised land, you know, the land flowing with milk and honey. There was a destiny for God's people. And I believe that's true for us as a church as well. I think there always has been. You know, if you, we've had our 20, I think it was last year was our 25 year, I'm I'm is that right? I mean, time moves so fast, you know. But and, and you know, we're, we're, the stories came out of, of where we came from. There was this, there was this sense that God was doing this new thing and coming out of Box Hill and and starting a church here in a community first over at Knox Gardens and and then here. There's always been a bit of a story, hasn't there? There's always been a bit of something that God's doing through this church. And, it, and it's refined and it's more developed when we see things like Cavell and, and opportunities grow. But it's definitely God. It's definitely been God moving through this church. And recently, there's been a bunch of movement. You know, there's the development of Cavell and then the growing of the ministry there. The church is growing and changing. It's not the same as what we were doing 25 years ago. It's not the same as some of us that are in our, in our 40s and 50s. Some of you that are in your 40s and 50s, you know. I uh, can remember what church was like many, many years ago, and, and it's not the same. Things are changing. You know, we, we, in our church, we, ha- we, we are dealing with staff things, you know, with a, with a pastor, talking about how do we replace, you know, the master pastor that left last year, you know. 
Um, you know, how, you know, it's big shoes to fill, all that sort of stuff. I'll just say that to make you feel better. I didn't know whether you were going to be here or not, so, you know, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, leadership decisions. You know, leadership we're making, you know, we're in our leadership team, we've got decisions to make on, on, on what path do we follow? What, what do we do here and there? You know, do we do it the way we've always done it? Do we answer the questions the way we always have? You know, there's changes in our church while we're on the way, it's not like we're just sitting there, you know, surrounded by a desert and a sea. There's changes as we're on the way. You know, finances and, and great news this morning, we're 85% there. 85 is not 100, guys. Just wanted to help John along with that, that, um, that announcement, by the way. Um, structure of the church, the expectations that, that come when you're part of a church community, expectations are different. You've got 150-odd people with 150 ideas of how things should go. You know, and things that we're trying to get answers to that maybe are humanized, we don't see how that's going to be sorted out yet. Um, how they could be met. You know, how could we meet this, you know, this huge dream of de- developing a cavell? How do we... Um, how do we f- answer this search for a pastor or an an additional staff worker maybe in a human eyes we don't see how that works yet where when how should we work harder at it should we try harder with it should we try more options and that sort of stuff and sometimes we get hemmed in too don't we by our own limits and even or outside limits structures or things that that we feel hemmed in by or we've got to do things this way or this is the only way that we can see that we can f- sort this out maybe it's experience or our ways the ways we've always done it and we're nervous at how we'll manage things we can't see how we can move forward or it's not fast enough how do we as a church get to the next level and so when you have those sort of situations you know doubt can 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 creep in. Maybe it's easier to go back to the tried and true, the way we've always done it, or the system we know. Just let's just be normal. Now the Dutch have this amazing saying, and and it sounds better in Dutch, but directly translated, it says, "Just be normal, and you're already crazy enough." <laughs> you know, or just be normal, and that's radical enough. It sounds way better in Dutch, doesn't it? And um, but. <laughs> It's true. Sometimes we get that. We sort of think, oh, let's just be normal because it's way too much work to, and it's just, it's doing my head in to try to do it anything different. And sometimes it's just hard to change. The battles seem overwhelming. You know, is God speaking or acting? Is, is He leading us? We be, or we get impatient. We, we exercise our own can do. We can sort this out. So I believe that this is a word for us as a church today. That God would say, the Lord, that I will fight for you. I am doing stuff and I will receive glory through this church. We need only to be still and wait and see the Lord work. Wait and see Him do what He's doing. He's not sitting still. He's not limited by the way that we see things. He can make a way where we can't see it or we can't imagine how that could be sorted out. He has solutions that we haven't even imagined yet. He's leading and he will take us to the next level he has for us. He, just like the Israelites, they were going to go to the promised land because that was what God had for them. We are going where God called us to go because he called us as a, as a church community, as a family, to be his family here. And he was always taking this church somewhere and he always will. 
We're seeing him grow us. We're seeing great things. You know, I spoke in, uh, Dece- in, De- in, De- in early this year, I spoke, I think, in, in January when um, I did a little mini-series on Joshua. And when Joshua 6, you know, I, I had the line, uh, I was speaking on obedience, and I said, you know, obedience is our responsibility, outcome is God's. And sometimes we need to hear that again. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just be still and let me work. Just, you know... It's God's problem. So God is saying to us as a church, and I believe to us as leadership, by the way, guys, the Lord is working. Just be still. You know? And um, <laughs> I believe that the solution that God has in mind for some of the things, the questions that we're asking in leadership and perhaps in some of the ministry areas, we can't see it yet. The solution, we can't see it. And perhaps... Um, it's not normal. It's unusual. Who knows? But what about you as an individual? What about me as an individual as well? Is this a word for you? Do you need to hear that right now or sometimes? Do you need to hear that, you know, you need only to be still. The Lord is, is doing it, whatever it is that you have. I think many of us do. In fact, I kind of know many of us do. Who or what are your Egyptians? Who's after you? What's bearing down on you? What looks overwhelming where you think, these guys are going to crush me, or this is going to finish me, and, and I don't know what to do? What are you fearing, and what's coming after or chasing you? What are you what's challenging? What do you feel like you can't beat? Things that enslave you, or that have you enslaved, or... Maybe they're oppressing you or slowing you down or that you're fearing or things that hurt you, places that you don't want to go back to. Things that seem insurmountable and you'd actually rather not face them. And they're different for each one of us. Isn't it? A challenge that would be easier to avoid. Change that it's getting too tough. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm liking this. Something that when you see it in your mind's eye, that it terrifies you or it worries you or it scares you and how do you how do you know that kind of stuff's going on in your life because sometimes we kind of push that stuff back and we put on that you know when people ask how are you going i'm fine and you're not you just know you're not but we don't we want people to think we're fine how do you know you know questions in your head come up like i feel hemmed in by my circumstances and i'm not sure how to get out or, how did I get here? I don't like where I am. How did I get here? I can't see where God's taking me. I can't see where my life is going. I can't see his direction. I'm not hearing or sensing his promise. I can't see how this situation can change for me. I can't see where to go anymore. I only see the Egyptians. I have issues that restrict and distract me and I, I can't shake them off. I have habits or things that I, I just wish weren't part of my life, but I just I can't shake them off. Questions that I have that I, I, I feel like I need answers or I want answers to for, for myself, but even questions I have for others, things that I'm concerned about others, or maybe it's a crisis of faith. I can't, I can't hear God. I'm struggling to trust Him. You know, the Bible says trust in God and, and, and He's faithful and the preacher says that in my life group they say that God is faithful and, and He always comes through but I'm struggling with that. 
I'm struggling with some challenges that I'm facing, issues in my life and my work or my business. Uh, I can't see how that's going to be sorted. I can't see the answers to that. I, my family, struggles in my family or my health. I'm, not, uh, you know, I'm struggling with my health. Other things that are bearing down on, on you. Sickness, struggle. Maybe it's in you. Maybe it's someone you know and love or someone that you care about. Concerns I have for myself or for others, things that trouble me, hurts that keep coming up, struggles that overwhelm me at times, or the question, I'm not even sure why I'm here. I'm not even sure why I'm doing this or what I'm, what I'm doing here. Why did I get, you know, maybe? And perhaps we're not terrified like the, the, um, the Israelites, but maybe you're worried or you're anxious you're nervous as you see life around you or decisions ahead of you. You're young and you've got big decisions or you're old and you've got big decisions. We can't always see a way out. We can't always see how could this be solved. Our own ability doesn't seem to cut it or we don't think it's going to work. Our own smarts, our own experience is letting us down. We need to see what in our eyes is impossible. We need to see the miracle. And, you know, we can do the same things that the Israelites did, you know, when, when, when we're under pressure. And all of us have times we're under pressure. We do the same things, you know. We look for a scapegoat. We blame. We say, well, it's not my fault. It's, it's someone else has to do that or fix it up. You know, it's, the, it's them. It's, it's their responsibility, you know. Or we just pretend all is fine. I'm fine. All is well. Or, or we ignore it. We ignore the issue. We run away. We don't talk to anyone about it. We don't want to acknowledge it to others even ourselves sometimes. Or we doubt, you know, is this the right way? Is this the right place? Is this the right setting? Did I hear God? Is he actually for me? Is he actually helping me? Will he fight for me? You know, like I said before, I've been around church long enough to know, around this church, long enough to know, and many of us have things we struggle with. Many of us have things that we ask questions about. Many of us, and even we as a church, experience or have experienced or are experiencing seasons of turmoil and questions. And so I believe this is a word for us today, the same message for you, whatever it is. And it can be such a wide range of things, and I've tried to capture some of it. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I need to hear that sometimes, because I am busy thrashing like a duck underwater trying to make things happen trying to make sense of my life trying to make sense of the things that are going on the relationships that i've got the the, the future that i'm look that we look at the lord will fight for you you need only to be still you know he's taking me and you somewhere he's taking us somewhere he's he's in us he lives in us he can he only can do what we don't see as possible and he will receive the glory. And that's important. Only he can take us to the next step, the next level. Now, this, for me, I think this is a word, in, in, like I've said a couple of times, for us as a church and, and for us as individuals. And I know that, that we don't often do a lot about, you know, sharing this sort of stuff or dealing with this sort of stuff and 
And I, I might be going out on a limb and making myself a bit vulnerable here, but I want to obey God. I really feel like God um, challenged me that we should do something. Challenged me that we should do something with this um, this morning. And, and I don't even know what God will say, but I think many of us need these words. You know, you need only to be still. And um, so what I want to do is I've, I've asked um, our leaders and our prayer team and also the young adult leaders. I've asked them to... Um, I sent them a bit of an email because I had this idea later in the week. And I, I want to pray for us this morning. You might have noticed we didn't have a prayer time because it could be that you want to pray for someone else, that you need that message for someone else. So I'm just going to get, ask the, the leaders and the young adult leaders and the prayer team, if you could, guys could come up here or actually if you guys could kind of spread yourself around in a horseshoe around the church, could you just do that now? Um, if you're a leader or in the prayer team or if you're a young adult, one of the young adult leadership team. Um, <clears throat> Because I would, <laughs> I would dare to suggest that there's almost none of us that don't need to hear this or haven't needed to hear that. We need some more people on this side. We're heavy, we're heavy on that side. And there's almost none of us that don't need to hear this. And there's almost none of us that does not need prayer for this. And so these people are here uh, to pray for you. And I want to take some time for you to go up. And it could be real specific. There could be something in, that jumped into your mind while I was speaking you think, oh, I need to hear it for that. And, you know, I've asked the leaders just to pray for you and just to pray those words over you. You know what? The Lord will fight for you. Um, just be still and um, see him do what you don't see as possible. And I'm going to take a few minutes for this and then we're going to do Lord's Supper afterwards. If you're a leader, guys, if you're a leader and this is true for you as well, I don't want you just to stand there and think, well, so then you go to someone and get prayer and, and others can wait. But we're going to put some music on and um, I want to challenge each one of you. And I know this is not what we normally do in church. And, you know, I know they'll have a reputation of doing the things that are not normal. But I believe we need this. And I, I want to challenge you to go and ask someone to pray for you. It doesn't have to be for long because we've got a lot of people to get through. But just have someone pray for you. And I just want to seal this word in our heart for today. All right? So if you could put some music on, Richard. And I want to set you free. You can actually start music bef moving before the music starts. Yeah, I know. I know. So, um, and they're ready to pray for you. And leaders, if you want prayer, go ahead and pray. And I'm here to pray as well.